You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hello. I was just, uh, I was looking at other stuff on the computer and I couldn't find the camera here. So I'm here. Where's waiting, where's for, waiting for our man Andy to come? I know. I think it's, uh, it's always interesting what will come from that man. I'll tell you that. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, the market is, it's just a, it's a different, it's trying to find its way. And I mean, again, there's some stuff that's really good. And then some things are just, we can't get any traction whatsoever. And I don't know if it's area price point. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's mostly area, but when it comes to some price points, they're, they're dragging, but they're dragging in some areas, but not other areas. So it just, it really kind of depends. And I know we had a big, uh, the world's not ending interest rate drop. So that was good uh, to see that kind of got people's spirits up. Helps quite a bit. I think we're going to go into that today. But if you really look at price drops and what it means to people, it was probably about $100, $110 a month, you know, on their payment and or probably $20,000 worth of qualifying. So that person that was at three fifty dollars that got docked, knocked down to 330 is now back at 350 that they're able to qualify because you qualify on a payment. You don't qualify on a, you know, an interest rate. It's a, it's a payment. So I'll tell you what, um, Americans think it's the end of the world, but look at the Europeans. The dollar is now the same value as the Euro. Every other currency is going crazy against the, the U S dollar. So Americans, if you travel now, the, the dollar is, King again, big time. Yeah, that, there's a way to kick inflation. You just kind of halt from here a little while and then and head over there because it is. It's. I mean, when I was in Poland, it was like I, I chuckled every time I was buying something. I'm like, this just can't be. I remember you did a video one time where you went to that little convenience store and had like Gatorades and power drinks and waters and candy bars and uh, a salad and you know and it was still under like seventeen dollars or something it was crazy here i mean the four waters probably would have got me up to that yeah supposedly the dollar milkshake theory is what is going on and basically there's like signs of you know crazy trouble everyone's gonna run to put their money in the strongest currency and because everyone was talking about a weekend dollar, that was like the mainstream idea the last like five years. But this guy was talking about this dollar milkshake theory about how this is actually it's going to be what causes a lot of economies to go bye bye because everyone's moving their money in USD. So it's fascinating. But we got the man right here. He's back. Oh, sorry, guys. I was deep in thought. <laughs> Were you meditating again? Pretty no, meditation. I'm, wrong link. I'm literally sitting there like, why is it not letting me in the studio? And I go, I back out, and it was April 27th. Link. I you, still had, you still had some things to add to that podcast anyways. I remember that one. I wasn't quite done. <laughs> you weren't. 
<laughs> what uh, hey, what's up with you, my brother? We're just talking about little inflation, is all. Did you read that uh, statement from uh, the Economist from NAR yesterday? I did not. So uh, on the Insta, they put out a uh, kind of a post where uh, Yen. Um, Lawrence Yen or whatever his name is, and uh, kind of made the comment that inflation is actually pushing 17%. It's the highest it's been in, in like over 40 years. And that they have talked about doing extended up and beyond what they've already done for to stimulate, cool the economy. Um, and it, yeah. 17. And that's what I they're admitting to. Can you imagine the conspiracy buddies and friends that are out there? They're like, it's actually 28% or whatever. I mean, it is ridiculous. I, I would just, all I say to you is this, and I'm not trying to come, sound like the old man because that's what we sound like. Yeah, but right. It's bananas. Um, but the idea there is just go to Costco now. And like I was get, buying a few things for the weekend. And I'm like, six pounds of meat was like $30. And I'm like, for hamburger. And I'm like, man, I'm going to start eating vegetables, which might be a good thing. But <laughs> Hey, this might be a good thing. I'll Maybe this economy will get us in shape, Chris. Yeah, I caught uh, – so, so you know, I mean, COVID was – I watched every Naked and Afraid episode. And it's just – I don't know. But they have this other series called Alone. Yeah. I mean, these guys are losing 60, 80 pounds. I mean, all that's all we got to do. And then we got a chance to win 500,000 bucks. I mean, I'd like lose 100 pounds just in fear of being on TV naked. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, this is the only episode where realtor. we decided not to show the contestants. We yeah. <laughs> they only show us like at yeah, dark where you can just see our faces, sticking our face out of our tents. Yeah, it's really getting terrible. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's get to something else. What do you think about the market, Andy? I just said it's just a weird, it's a weird market. You know, um, a, when an economy is, is is slowing down, it doesn't mean it's retracting or going backwards. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things to think about is that we're, we're not necessarily uh, going backwards as much as we're just slowing down a little bit. And it feels like we're going backwards and everybody's starting to panic a little bit because we've had pretty consistent one direction, you know, going up um, kind of momentum in this marketplace. And I think that you know, as any market kind of cools itself a little bit, you look at the history, and and I'm not saying that this this is an unhistorical high amount of inflation, which may throw off all the theories and all the the good saying that we're doing. But in theory, um, you know, housing is a great place to hide your money as inflation kicks along. Historically, in inflationary markets, houses keep going up in value. And the one thing we have going for us now that we really did not have in some of the previous markets especially the, the great housing depression of the early 2000s, um, we, we have great supply um, of buyers, more buyers than we have sellers. And so there's demand in the marketplace. And so that demand is what continues to push the momentum and the force up on housing. And people say, well, as rates go up, they're, they're going to come down. Well, here's the thing. Um, rents last year went up almost 10% in the Twin Cities market on average. So that's going up too, fellas. And you're not going to stop that. They'll push that until you're bleeding. And then they'll start saying, okay, they can't make their payments anymore. Let's cut it back a little bit. But they'll keep it right at your highest threshold of pain. And because that's what they want to do is get the biggest return, right? Yeah. At absolutely. least when you lock in a 30-year fixed, and this is what I've been kind of saying is that 
my guess is there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, once they do finally hit the economy and, and get the economy to slow down um, to whatever they consider inflationary comfort level is. And then what they'll do is they'll probably try to stimulate housing because housing is always what pulls us out of these, you know, economic downturns, it seems like. So then they usually drop rates again. And all of a sudden you have housing boom for a little while, but that's when you refinance. So you buy it now before the prices go up. You know what I mean? Because they will consistently go up, I think, another three, four percent a year over the next, you know, four or five years until we get demand and supply figured out. Yeah, I think you're right when when you say that a lot of people look right now as like, well, geez, this is going to cost me so much more over 30 years. But it's not. You move, you sell, you refinance, you you put uh, more money down uh, on the loan. I mean, you do a lot of different things. Right. And you can't look at it that this is a, a 30 year problem right now. You can't no. buy based on that. It's a it's a couple year problem, probably maybe three, four. Um, right. But there's a lot of good programs out there too that are seven year, ten year type um, mortgage programs amortized over thirty years. But you get, uh, I mean, a decent rate. I just had a closing yesterday that they were at like four and a quarter percent. They got. And it's fixed it probably for was a jumbo. Was it a jumbo? It was. It was. Yeah, jumbo jumbos are really attractive right now. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but look at it, Chris, think about this. So you own a house, you have lots of equity there. If anything else, you're going to feel trapped again. Remember how we felt trapped when we couldn't sell our houses because the equity wasn't there. Well, now the values are there, the equity's there, but you have nowhere to go. You know what I mean? Or you don't have an option that's, you know, sexy enough to say, Hey, let's jump into this chaos. And so it, it continues to cripple the market on, you know, loosening up the, the potential sales. Now, if you croak and nobody wants your house, they have to sell your house. You get divorced, you probably don't want to live together anymore. Probably they'll sell a house. Those kind of life events will continue to happen. But I think that the elective, you know what? Let's take this half million dollars of equity we have and go buy a nice lake home, a retirement home. And then you go up to the lake and the lake homes are a million five. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do that. And then you say, well, let's buy one level living back down in the cities. 1,800 square feet, 1,700 square feet. And it's all that money that you just made goes towards that that one level living because now that those one level living that used to be 250 now are 400 to 700,000. Yeah. I mean, without a basement. And it's like, then I think that's what's happening. People are freaking out and remodelers are real happy about that because then they're remodeling houses instead of, you know, building, but. Okay, guys. Hey, there's uh, some things going around about this economy. It's Michael Burry, the guy who predicted the, the housing crash, who's uh, the the theme of uh, the big short that was the story behind the big short the famous movie and basically he's predicted a lot of negative things over the last 15 years but here's what he is saying is going to happen with uh supply chains and inflation so i'm going to show you this and then i'm going to do a video on the bull whip effect so chris you want to read that yeah this supply glut at retail is the bull whip effect Got to Google it. Worth understanding for your investing endeavors. Deflationary pulses from this uh, end up going to disinflation in CPI later this year. Fed res reverses itself on rates and QT on quarter cycles. Um, okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So that got really famous. This is their big tweet that got popular. And then here's the video explaining it. So let me share it. Too many initials, Andy should have read it. What supply chain term is named for its resemblance to the cracking of a whip? 
That's the bullwhip effect. The bullwhip effect happens when retailers make inaccurate demand predictions, and the gap between supply and demand gets bigger and bigger up the supply chain. Here's a well-known example from history. When green Volvos sold really well mid-year, Volvo production made the logical assumption that green was the new black. In response, it turned out more green cars. But at the end of the year, Volvo had excess inventory. Why? The previous demand was due to dealership bargains meant to clear out an overstock of green cars. And in the end, the company faced the very problem it was trying to solve. Retailers make a guess about future customer behavior based on current behavior, often ordering a bit extra as a safety net. Wholesalers respond to retailers, often giving themselves a safety net by ordering a bit more, and so on, resulting in a larger and larger effect up the supply chain. By the time things get to raw material suppliers, the overordering or underordering, as the case may be, has increased exponentially, resulting in inefficiencies, loss of profits, and so on. The bullwhip effect can work the other way too, where one or more supply chain partners don't anticipate how popular a product will be, and in turn, end up with shortages. If you've ever run from store to store during the holiday season looking for some must-have gift or toy, you know this one all too well. So will this happen in real estate, you think? Because the supplies are so low and we're trying to quickly get back to supply chains? Since the, the housing depression, um, we, we haven't seen the, the uh, home builders building what they need to build to keep up with the demand for housing. We're way under. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that we have not been overproducing housing. Housing has been strictly going up because of the demand on housing and there's not enough supply. They should be producing houses to balance out the market, but they can't build affordable houses that people in that price range can consume. And so it's like, uh, we have a surplus of, you know, Rolls Royces, but not everybody can afford a Rolls Royce. So the Hyundai dealership's super busy right now because they have affordable cars at affordable prices. Um, or Kia or whatever you want to talk about, but Rolls Royce is plenty, you know, stocked and full and ready to go. But it's like the when, when it comes down to um, what what they're talking about, I'm going to call a little bit of I, I get it, but consumer consumable goods are way different than houses that are constructed. And we because you don't have to go run your credit and get a 30 year loan to buy a product um, off a shelf. A shelf is an impulse item. You know, that's based consumer driven, consumer confidence, which I guess you could also overflow into housing, but it's just a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? And, and the other thing is, is that nowadays go buy a new car, Chris, what happens? Do they just deliver it? Is it on the lot? Nope. It's ordered. So they're, they're trying to avoid this bullwhip by on-demand ordering and getting us used to ordering. Look at furniture. How many stores can you go to and actually buy a couch, pick it up and bring it home? None. And, and this is, this is, they're trying to avoid the bullwhip is what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think uh, you start trying to predict stuff. I think that you got to see a heck of a lot more data than probably what we we have access to. But just getting a, a feel on the ground, I just don't think the real estate market's going to get hit. I just I really no. don't. I don't think we're 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 going down. Is yeah, will it slow down? You know what? Historically, this is the slow time. I mean, this is when families are vacationing and, you know, 4th of July. It's just, it's, it's typically just a slow time. So I think, like I said last time, to me, it's more of a wait till fall and kind of feel it out. Nick was talking before you got on that, you know, people, 
you know, are, are ditching like our money and going into foreign markets. So they're not doing that. And uh, other people are putting it into our markets. So I think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't think we're as in the biggest trouble as everyone likes to think. And I think the other part is, is that people don't believe anything anymore. I mean, they don't, they just, they take it for kind of like, take it as a great assault. It's like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going on what I feel and I can see versus listening to these people that have been lying to us every direction for the last four years, five years, six years. Like I say, the biggest scam in the world, social media. And, you know, you're like, I'm up at the cabin last weekend. We're out on talking to people out on the sand point. And you start talking to an older person that has different beliefs than you do. And they're like, well, you know, just like all over Facebook, they keep talking about this. And I'm like, my, my Facebook doesn't show me that. You know, I'm because it keeps feeding you stuff to keep feeding into your frenzy. And what happens is these people get in these rabbit holes and they're literally think the world's exploding tomorrow and you better be ready. And it's like it's because that's what they keep clicking on. And I, I tell people, I always say and what I told this person was I said, I tell you what, I want you to take a break for two weeks from social media. OK, and I go stop clicking on the articles that are like and they're going to keep sending you stuff that you think you're interested in. And, you know, oh, they, they're a conspiracy person. More conspiracies come. You, you talk to somebody that clicks on conspiracy theories, guess what? They always have a conspiracy theory because stuff keeps getting fed to them. Now, if you read the facts, you go to the National Association of Realtors. You go to the National Mortgage Brokers Association. You go to, you know, all of these different places that have clean stats, not skewed, clean. And then you put all that together um, and, and make your decision on, on what's going on. But anyway. used to be able to trust the news and they were trusting it and that you know they were getting the right stuff and now yeah. i mean with social media it's about clicks and, and getting people to buy your product and so they're going to say what they got to say to be able to get you there and then a lot of people believe it so hey chris i was saying it. i was saying everyone's moving into the u.s dollar that's why the euro and the dollar are the same right now inflation yeah. is way higher here than it is in usa that's what i was saying yeah. Well, and think about that, guys. You look at, again, history of, of you know, um, from the, the World Bank or whatever they call that, and they talk about values of their coins. And then all of a sudden you you have countries that can't even pay our, our the money they owe us back because their inflation rates are so high, their dollars are worth nothing. And, you know, what used to be a, a billion-dollar payment now is like $50 billion to them, and they can't make the payments. So everybody's defaulting, and then the only, you know, the only dollar that stays solid is the U.S. dollar. And it's, it's weird because I think that there's the heart. People in foreign countries that dream about being free and dream about having, you know, freedom of choice and religion and all that stuff, they dream about being U.S. citizens and they love the U.S. dollar because of that, because it stands for all of those things. And that's why I think a lot of people always flee. I, this isn't even real estate, but it just flees. I th- that's why you see a lot of foreign people that when they get nervous, they will invest into things they are not nervous about. The one thing they believe in is the USA. Yeah. True. All right. What's next, Nick? The mortgage rates uh, plunged to 5.3%. And the biggest drop since 2008. That's kind of interesting. Uh-oh. Do we have a something going on here? Yeah. Just showing you the article. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were getting a, a video there. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – interesting i was talking before andy you got on uh, while you were meditating and yeah we were talking about how those interest rates probably save people a hundred dollars a month 
you know, this little, this little drop. And, um, you know, that makes a big difference. It's a probably a $20,000 uh, qualifying type thing. So, uh, so all is not, all is not dead is what I said. Good. I agree. I think that they're, they have to recognize, I mean, housing is a big, I mean, it's, you know, a quarter of the uh, GDP. And if yeah. they, they screw that guaranteed deal up, you know, I mean, what, what's interesting though, is there was a couple of years where we did like 6 million, normally do about 5 million sales annually, roughly right across the U S we went up to 5.7, then we went up to 6.3 and now we're back down to 5.3. We're right in line with pre pandemic numbers. Everything's just, I keep saying simmer down. Yeah. Give it a couple months yeah. here. There's there's some opportunities out there to get some good deals too. I mean, there really is. There are panic sellers right now. Yeah, there's some panic people that are just like, oh my gosh, I better I better grab it before it's gone, and uh, it's just it's not there. You just the one thing you do have to do is you got to have your house ready. You know, yep. we have one. I got I'm getting ready in Apple Valley, and they have some really nice features, but there's some other things, some carpet and some paint, and I'm just like. We've, we've got to do it. We can't yeah. give people excuses. We have to do it. And so we, yeah. we did that. I mean, we're going to invest about $13,000 $13, in which to be able to do it. But that should at least secure their sale price and or, I mean, they'll get them more because it's, uh, I mean, it definitely raised the value since we did that. But um, they're easily going to get that back and, and probably get more because they're doing it right. And a lot of people aren't doing it right still because they got the hangover of, hey, everything's gonna sell and it's not gonna be a problem. I don't have to do anything. So. You, you know, it's interesting, Chris. So I've had the privilege in the last month here, I've had several of my buyers that are the million to $3 million buyers. And we're all looking at some pretty cool stuff. I mean, as you can imagine, you start looking at 2.6 million, $2.8 million houses, they're stunning. And one of the cool, uh, I, I thought you guys would get a kick out of this. So we're at this house and we're walking through and uh, all of a sudden there's a big M in the middle of the gym floor and the renter that's in the house comes over and goes, well, you know whose house this was? And I go, who's that? And they go, Randy Moss. And I'm like, oh my God, how cool. You know, Randy, we're out here, we're out in this beautiful, I mean, full size actual basketball court inside, full size, it looked like a Best Western, a pool. They had the big McDonald's play center that was two stories tall for kids to play on. And what's interesting is you talked about that. And th this house in today's money, I mean, you're talking over 11,000 square feet on this house. And you, you start talking to the people that were renting there. And they're like, it cost $4,500 a month to heat this house. And that, you know, the, and they kept going on and on and on. And then everything, all the plants are distressed. The house was right on the verge of needing everything to be fixed or replaced. Um, the carpets are gross. The renter lived in there with a little messier than normal living. So the house didn't show very well. None of the lights were on during the showings. And I'm sitting there going, here's about a four and a half million dollar house. You could probably pick up for about a million three. I mean, you, you want to talk about deals. I mean, there are, if you've got money right now, call us because there are deals out there to be had for sure. I think Randy just signed a new contract with ESPN too. So I think he's gonna, I think he uh, jumped up his salary a little too. I just wants to get More those calls out playing. of the way. Yes. Yeah. I good for him. You know, and it was, I only bring that up because it's kind of fun. You know, as we, we fantasize about knowing something, who lives in that big house? And it, it's kind of like the Randy, I'm a, of course, Randy Moss. Then it starts running through my head. I'm like, can you imagine the parties that guy would have? Because everybody loved Randy Moss. And it's like all the celebrities and the cool people. And then what was neat was this house actually had a valet parking circle 
and then down behind it at a parking lot behind the house to park all the cars. Yeah. So you know we entertained. Yeah, well, for sure. All right, let's get back to some lighthearted stuff. This next segment, our real estate memes, is brought to you by Chris Rooney Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found I love that guy. Oh, this the the plumber? No, you. Oh well, thank you, Andy. If plumbers bragged on social media like realtors, <laughs> this is good. Just unclogged the Smith's toilet in record time for the neighborhood. Gonna go buy that new Ben's convertible. So blessed to do what I love. Always available for your referrals. <laughs> well, more more realistically, probably bought a Mercedes Benz van like you did. Yeah. Oh yeah. That thing's the have you seen have you seen it around? It travels, travels down. It's really dirty. That's the only problem. I haven't seen it. No, I don't know black. if I've seen your van in person. I saw a picture, it's really nice. Yeah, but it's it's very dirty. I use it quite a bit, Good. but it is kind of a plumbing van. It's it's either that or uh, uh, Amazon Prime truck is what it looks like. So just a little cooler. You got it wrapped. Yeah, totally. When the club owner says you're too old to serve bottles now, and you should just go get a real estate license. Oh, geez. Oh. Our industry, our industry is picked on, but you know what? In a lot of ways, we deserve it. Some of the things that uh, our industry does is uh, is amazing. I'll make a note of this, Nick. Um, we South Park also just had an episode not too long ago where it was newer. It was 2022 where they completely make fun of like real estate agents, the whole show, and basically blame real estate agents for actually when they started doing their jobs that they, <laughs> they finally started bringing value and they brought all the houses up so high. They're like, realtors. If you just go back to doing nothing like we want you to do, you could calm the housing market down. And, oh my God, it was so funny. You'll have to dig in there, Nick, and, and get us some clips. That would be kind of funny. Yeah. If they allow us. Make fun of us, yeah. All right, what's this say? Uh, I purchased my house recently, six months ago, and I'm concerned that the housing prices will drop, okay? When they do, who do I contact to get my principal lord? Yeah, of course. Will the realtor or the bank give me the refund on the difference? You know, these guys, is this serious? Sorry, but Read it doesn't the work that way. Yeah, sorry, but it doesn't work that way. No one will lower your principal. Why not? If my house goes down, I should be refunded the difference. Oh, my God. Is that 2022 or what? <laughs> I'd like to thank our public schools for educating people like this um, yeah. and giving them very realistic principles on life. No common sense. And I'd say that jokingly. I mean... I tell you what, Chris, I, I go, when you go out and I know you do the same thing. I've had a chance now to teach a couple classes at high school level. It's interesting. I mean, of course, young people are young people, right? They, they, well, I haven't decided if I'm going to be a professional athlete yet or a president of the United States, but, um, or a real estate agent, but you know, and they'll ask you questions, but realistically understanding how to rent a property, how to own a property and be a landlord and have tenants and how to treat people properly. 
how to understand the contracts, how to, you know, navigate your way through life with business. And this is the perfect example of somebody that's like, well, why wouldn't they reduce it? Who's going to pay for that? You know, there's those memes going around about the, well, it's a write-off. Well, they go, a write-off for who? Somebody's got to pay for it. Well, the government gives it to you. And they go, no, they don't. <laughs> and, and writing things off means you just don't pay taxes on that money. I Pretty mean, you still paying money, people. Yeah, it, You're getting it on sale. You're not getting it for free. Yeah. So Silly. Oh, I just, yeah, the, I'll tell you what, to me, what, it, there's just no common sense. I mean, I see, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not even going into it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'll do it, Andy. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'll, I'll do it, Andy. If I start going on this, on on guaranteed sales type, type stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's like you walk into like these hotels and stuff, and they're showing these people like paying $129 versus $99 a night. They're not giving you your money back. You sign the contract. You're in there for $129 a night versus $99. Or the, the pizza coupons. I guarantee you, your neighbor having a pizza delivered, you just paid $32 for that pizza with tax and everything else. And the neighbor paid $18. Yeah. Same pizza. Yeah. And you, you got to spend the time to research and be smart, but... Not everybody has the time to be or the convenience of that, but that's why. All right. So what do we got here? Should you hide anything in your listing photos? That's a that's a trick question. Yeah. Um I I think you have to enhance the the best parts of it. Um there's to me, there's a trick on how many photos you give and, and don't give. I mean, now that the MLS has basically unlimited photos that you can put in, a lot of people take that chance to get 17 views of the kitchen. I don't I don't believe in that. I think you got to give them a, a feel, but not give it all to them because you want them to come and look at it. How many listings, no. Andy, do your buyers look at online yep. and say, no, we don't want that one because of what it looked like online? I'll never forget. We had had one. And they said, "We'll we'll just throw this one in." I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And they just said, "We just we don't want it, but maybe it's in an area that's decent." We went in, and I've never seen a house that didn't look like the pictures more than this one. And the house was fantastic. This is the right in the middle of COVID, you know, where no one was going to look at it, and we ended up making an offer real fast, over full price, just to get it because it was like a great house, but the pictures were so bad of it. So. I tell you, there's been many times where I've done strategic um, photos where the photo of the backyard, and then you can see the neighbor has this big statue of Elvis. And I don't necessarily want the statue of Elvis to be part of the listing because it's such a distress. Well, maybe not now with the movie out and everything, but I go, we're going to turn that photo like this. And Elvis is now out of the picture, but you cannot manipulate the photo. So like, for an example, um, we had uh, years ago when I first started, I was working with this builder. And I got a photo of our model and the, the builder was like, I'm a photographer. I'm going to take care of all this. And I get this, this uh, photography back and it was a printed brochure. And I go, I looked at the photo and I go, God, that something's weird here. Well, the guy photoshopped out all of the power lines in the backyard where this model was sitting. And he goes, doesn't it look much better. And I'm like, that's completely illegal. That That's against the rules completely. And I don't think a lot of people under, that's why for sale by owner, what I worry about a little bit with that, you know, hey, we're selling it ourselves, or you know, I don't know, just be be buyer yeah. beware. On MLS, we can't manipulate the photos. Now we can on like our brochures and things like that, but you can't do it on MLS. And 
here's the other thing too. So let's just say that example of the Elvis or the power line. Yeah, we don't want to take an aerial right on top of the power line to be able to be completely show it. But you, what you can do is you can kind of, I, I think there's a trick in that to get a little piece of El, Elvis, maybe the angle just gets a little so you can kind of, you don't know what it is and you, it might not affect you looking at that photo. But after you go to the house and say, what the hell is that? That's a photo of, yeah, exactly. It's just, just yeah. the old. It's just a little, yeah, just a little bit of it. And it's like, okay, well, obviously they took an angle, but they weren't trying to deceive me. Because I think that is, that's a piece that's, it's not good where it's like, I get in trouble you know, what else are you deceiving me? What else are you deceiving me? They're too good. They're, they shoot rooms and the rooms look beautiful. They look huge. They look really bright. And people get there and they're like, this isn't this bright or this isn't that. And I mean, digitally enhanced photos where they do like the HDR photography where it's, low resolution to high resolution and every or overexposure to underexposure and they shoot 11 shots and they blend them all together and make the perfect shot it is an actual photo on top of a photo on top of a photo so it does let you know it's kind of like the best of all yeah um anyway but, yeah what you're talking about is that it's grabbing the outside you know because typically if you're you're concentrating and focusing on a couch it won't get the outside and what Andy's talking about is it'll grab the outside, it'll grab the window, it'll grab the window frame, it'll grab the carpet, it'll grab the couch, it'll grab the pillow, it'll grab all of those and then put it together. So it's more real looking, but it's definitely... Well, look at like my background. I have to shut my shade because I have the sun coming through. You know, like normally I have it wide open yes. in my office. It's very like you. Yep, yeah. it's bright in my office. But with the camera, it would bleed out the whole room in the picture. So you wouldn't be able to see any of the whatever. So you, you naturally want to shut the shades and take the photo. So it doesn't overexpose it. But what they do is they shoot it with it open and then it, it balances itself out. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, so the question is, should you hide anything in listing photos? I think you, I, I wouldn't hide. I wouldn't hide, but I wouldn't enhance some things that aren't going to be your best sale points because photos are your first impression. They're your number one impression. Just leave those photos out and not do many rather than put bad ones in because it'll totally outlaw it. And uh, Andy, I know you talked about this one time where you only did like you tricked them and said, hey, here's a couple photos. You can't even see the rest of it, but it got them into the house versus, hey, you know, you're going to love this green carpet with avocado appliances and pink yeah. walls. People, it, it is. It's one of the best of things it. you can do if you're not getting showings. Yeah. Take all your photos away because people do shop by elimination. They don't shop by think about yesterday when you're going through your Amazon prime, right? And you're flipping through and Oh my God, look at all the deals. You're eliminating deals. You're not inviting deals. You know what I'm saying? It's like our mind is to get things out of the way of purchase. And so I think what people do is they'll flick through and they'll just avoid your house. But what I always find interesting is like when we have houses that are listed on the MLS, really cool technology. Now behind the scenes, we can see how many searches that house actually meets the criteria of consumers that are receiving an email from a real estate agent that it doesn't show you who you are, but it shows that it's your list. Then when you favorite that house, it also notifies us on that list that somebody liked your property. What's cool about that is it allows us to be a little more proactive as agents and say, hey, you know, real estate agent, bring your buyers out. Here's what we're doing. Uh, this weekend, we're doing this as a special. Um, being proactive is, is super um, helpful, especially when you have an audience that's listening. When you have that audience that's not listening or they're not looking at it or they're not showing it, 
what are you going to do to get their attention? And usually it's the process of eliminating some things like I, I'll, I'll put a brand new listing photo on the, on the listing that hasn't been out there before. So I'll go out there and reshoot that front photo. And then I take everything else away. And there's no law saying I have to have a certain amount of photos. And people call me and go, what's wrong with the house? Why don't you have more photos? Well, also I have five showings that week that I didn't have the week before. Mission accomplished. You get yeah. showings, you get offers. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's very, 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 very true. And I think there's, I always say too, I mean, you go into markets and you you talk to people and they say, well, what do you do? Do you, do you dance on TikTok? And do you, what do you do for social media? And how do you get people, you know, this way? Yeah. And I'll tell you what is we have a thing called the multiple listing service. Okay. This multiple listing service syndicates to all these other websites. So Zillow, all of those, Trulia, Realtor.com, everything comes from our MLS. It's what you put on the MLS is what you're going to get out of it. I mean, and, and people try to downplay the MLS, and it's the most powerful thing that we have, but it's what you put on it. And that's what the difference, I think, where agent difference comes is how you, you know, lead them to the conclusion that you want them to through photos and writing to be able to get them into the house and be able to, you know, push your property um, above the other ones and, you know, get the get fair or better price for it because you know what the heck you're doing because you can ruin a house. I mean, you can destroy it and by pricing it way too high at the beginning and now it sits and now all of a sudden, I mean, everyone has access now to how long a house has been on the market. You go to Zillow, it states, it tells you exactly how long it's been on. We used to not have that. We used to be able to, like Andy said, switch photos, turn it back into a new listing, completely kind of repurpose it. Bring it back to life. And now it's all of a sudden, it's brand new. It's nothing. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, we got to be able to grab this listing. Well, some of these agents that have only been in the business, you know, what, two, three years? Yeah. And they, they've never understood what the concept of 30 days or 60 days of market time is. As we go back to a traditional market where we gain days on market, you do have to be clever because right. that's what you're getting paid for as an agent is to keep the eyeballs on that property. So when it does price and you're the prettiest house at the best price with the best marketing, boom, you're gone, right? And right. so it's it's important to pay attention. Yeah. I'm with you, buddy. Oh, my. This is a picture I took the other night. Andy in, in uh, Eden Prairie. That's right. That's Flying Cloud Airport. But man, wow. those those guys were the wickedest things ever. And I and I took a video, and I don't. It's it's screwed up. But um, that's that sky was super black, and then it was like bright red, and then that sun. Oh my god, it was so cool. I was uh, I was watching my nephew play baseball down in Brooklyn Park, and it just all of a sudden you felt the you know the crocodile tear size uh, raindrops hitting you. And then, by God, you ran to your car because you couldn't even see the front of your hood of your car. It was raining so hard. Yeah, and we didn't get hit at all where I was, but it was just like the the lightning and everything. It was super cool. Super it was really cool. Yeah. Next time, don't get the whole road in there. You know, take a photo of the wood you wanted to take a photo of. This is natural. I can't do, I can't hide any. Yeah, I know that that is true. But you know what I did, Nick. I literally stopped on two, two. I stopped on the road, and like a highway, like a two-lane highway. I stopped. And then this was one that I took same same night, Chris. Yeah, that that's crazy? over six ten, and that that front of that cloud coming through was like it was wicked, man. Yeah, it's cool. I love that stuff. 
thought. Before. I will get into our. What's up? I said, how does that tie into real estate marketing? We're going to tell you next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into our social media react segment brought to you by Andy Prasky, preferred home team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Thanks for listening to the show. What? Can, please, Nick, show the very beginning of that video. Andy, this is hilarious. I don't know why. How this? Well, they said I could have thirty seconds. That's how I do. I know. You know what's funny, Chris? I learned oh. that when I was taking a video class a long time ago. They said if you if you're like nobody will click on it. You have to have some kind of a. Yeah. And then people click on your... Yeah, totally. Sorry. I'm going under in this time. I feel there's no one to save me. This all in... I think the the glamour of the real estate uh, on TV is definitely different than what it really is. We just did a a thing at our, our company here this week and got together with all of us. Kind of added some photos, some crazy photos that we've seen in houses. Oh my gosh, we laughed and the stories that went with them. And, oh, it was funny. But that's that's a that's a good example of. There's a lot of people going through that right now, Andy. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching. There's a, I think it's called Bad Real Estate Photos on Instagram, and because uh, I click on everything with real estate, so I, I started following this. And all it says, "Hey, look at this this uh, wonderful cabinet picture of just a cabinet on the wall." And then, and then the next picture you swipe over, you open it up, and there's there's a in the wall like uh, air conditioning unit cut into the wall. You know, like a, normally a window unit, but they put a cabinet around it to hide it for the winter. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Can't make it up. Nope. No, sir. Right. Have you heard of upside down living? It's when your bedrooms are on the ground floor of your house and your kitchen and entertaining space are on the top story instead. That's a problem sometimes with appraisers, just so you know. Below ground, if all the rooms are like below ground, because they have a hard time with that square footage and it's a, it's a little bare to get around unless you have an experienced appraiser, but I don't, yeah, I don't I've know, seen like, what do you think the advantage is? I think most people like to be up high. They have the illusion of if they were ever attacked or broken into that, if you're up high, you're away from uh, the chaos, but what's your I thought? Don't, I don't know why, why people would do upside down living is it's got to have to do with um, whatever their, their view is or, if it's, True. you know what I mean? A, a view would make a big difference. I was going to list a house, yep. decided not to, to work together, but I was going to list a house where 
they put the family room and everything not on the main floor but it was on the upper floor and their entertainment was up there because the views were incredible and it was it was the right thing to do um but for pe other people looking at it it was kind of confusing because a lot of people hey i want to be on that main floor but no i have yeah. to go up these stairs to be able to go to my my you, you see that like down in florida where everything's up on stilts where they have the you know the they're up 12 feet in the air and then they you know, so your main floor becomes your garage, and then you go up to the main floor for the, you know, uh, you know, bathrooms and kitchens and whatever, and then you go upstairs to the third floor for the bedrooms. But but usually the train solves that because that's probably on the water, which is, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't matter what happens then. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing about real estate is location. Everyone's location, 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 but it's true. I mean, I just I just sold a house the other day that. Um, Awesome. I mean, massive and awesome and Randy Moshes. And, uh, and then I sold another house that wasn't, I mean, it was nice, but it was on a lot that was as awesome, amazing. And they got more money for it than the other one. And the house was probably three to four times better. The other one and the other, the lesser house, but the better location was a hundred thousand dollars more. So location is locations, everything. Uh, no, I don't want to work with everyone. Maybe early when I first got into real estate, my goal was to buy and sell as many houses for clients as possible. I would drive anywhere, work with any client, anytime. To be honest, at this point, I think that there's bigger, more important things in my life, in my clients' lives, than to have a bad fit, right? So for me, understanding what drives somebody, what their motivations are, I don't need to, I don't know. I don't need to be able to get a beer with you after we're done with the deal, but if there's an uncomfortability, if I, if, if you don't respect some of the process or the work that we do, or if I don't think that we're a good fit in terms of personality, I would much rather say, Hey, I got a guy up the street. I got a guy on my team. I know a girl who works in your area and say, work with them. Everybody's going to have a better experience for it. So no, I, I won't work with everybody because I think by saying no to some people, it makes it easier for everyone to have a better experience. I, I, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you can you can say that all you want, um, but it's really hard for a lot of people in which to leave that. But I think what realtors should and need to remember is their fiduciary responsibility to their client. And if you can't um, serve them or think you're going to serve them in the best way, you're not supposed to serve them and help them out. And sometimes it's better in which to be able to get away with it. Um, I think as you get in the business longer, what this guy's saying is a lot different. Until then, you're the girl on the swing and you're doing whatever you got to do to be able to kind of get a deal. And you know what? Sometimes you got to swallow your pride in which to get it. And, you know, you might not like the person, but you got you to gotta feed your family too. I, I agree with that a million percent. And I think that there's there's also the, I kind of in the back of my head use the um, analogy of, will this person refer me to somebody in the future? That's very important to me. Like, you know, if we do a good job for this individual, will they, you know, go out of their way to say, hey, yeah, you should use, you know, Andy to sell your house or buy your house or whatever. If in the back of my head, I don't think they will, or they're very argumentative or, you know, I, I have to then decide, okay, is this deal going to be worth, like he said, the trade-offs? 
you know, the family time or the, you know, the, you're going to get called every week and expect a new marketing plan to be developed. And it's like, even though it's not really, it's their, uh, you know, uh, insecurity is not yours that, that what's happening. Whereas markets transition, you know, things slow down a little bit and they're going to blame you. Um, that, that's our job. Though. Our job is high pressure, man. I mean, it's like you, you do have a big responsibility for that consumer, but if you lay out what you do, how you do it and for what kind of a, a, a fee or, or cost and they hire you, I'm okay with that. You know I mean? I don't have to love everybody I work with either um, as long as they respect us and we respect them back. I had three of those, three of those deals in the last two couple of years that I just didn't feel right about it. And we're, we're going to do it. And I just, you know what, it's probably not best that, that we work together and we just, mm-hmm. we didn't align and it was, it was a constant like, you got here here's the thing is that if you've been successful and you've been doing something a certain way and that it works you know and it's proven that it works that you got to switch everything around because that's what this person wants and they don't know i mean they don't they've never done it they don't know uh what it is it's never going to work because you're always going to be chasing you're going to be doing photos over five times six times and it's it's not worth it. It's it's just not. And so I think in a way that what that guy's saying, I think he's saying it a little cavalier, but oh, yeah. to me, it's kind of one of those things that it is smart to get out of something that, that's not going to work for you. But if it's like, hey, I, I only work on Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m. and I take no calls after this and someone wants to see a house at 4.30, I mean, get get off it. Get you're full of yourself. You, you know, know you house. I think I've more or less walked away from listings. I think when I have um, the situation of where they want to overprice it. And I'm I, think about this for a second, Chris. I mean, and I know you appreciate this. You're asking me, so yay, you hired me, but you're also asking me to invest into the success of your sale. If I don't believe in the sale, meaning that I don't think I can get it done or that for the price you're asking, and I, I don't think you're reasonable, like you won't come down to where it really will sell for I may not make that investment. There's been many a times where I've said to people, hey, I would love to work for you guys, but I honestly think you're $50,000 high. And, and at this time, I'm going to bow out and let you go with the other listing agent. Um, and I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm not saying, I just, I just, I, I don't see it happening. And and so if it doesn't work out, why don't you call me? When, you know, if it doesn't, I'm not, again, I would love to work with you guys. I just, I don't think it's going to work at this price. So why don't you try them at that price? But what I'm going to say to you is this, if you're going to list it at that price and you're hiring them only because they'll list at that price, don't give me any price reductions. Hold the price then. Because the old trick used to be, hey, Andy wants to list it for $425 and you want it at $475. And then that agent lists at $475, but by the time they sell it, they've reduced it 10 times to the point of where it's down to $435. And then they finally got offered a number, you know what I'm saying? Versus if you offered listed at $425, you probably got offered $450. You know, because it's like it's priced correctly. People want to pay for value. And if they identify value quicker, they a lot of times will make um, emotional decision and, and pay more. Hey, what do you think our man Cody Cody would say about dumping those clients that you don't feel good about working with? Uh, he'd work with all of them. <laughs> anyway. I love that. Yeah, another sale. The guys. I know. The guys yeah, he said, that. I was on that text with you. I saw yeah. that and I go, he goes, I got another one. Thanks. Thanks, Real Estate Radio Hour. And I'm like, yeah. 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 Uh, if anyone we, else, we, needs... should, we should never tell him that he's the star, though. Yeah. Oh, Andy, 
What is this? How's Lakeshore right, sales? Mike Ludwig boys? says, How's Lakeshore sales, boys? Andy, can you answer without your hand puppets? I always my hands are up here all the time. I'm sorry, I always touch my face. My I chin. Do, I, I'm doing that too, and because that's this thick beard I have, I keep feeling it, you know. But um, if you anyways. if you notice, like right now, I literally have to reach down and grab my chair so I don't grab my face. Uh, Mike, people are still definitely looking at Lakeshore. I think people that have, have listed Lakeshore right now have a little uh, issue with maybe pricing it too much. And if I can get it, I'll take it. Otherwise, I won't. And I think that's some of the problems. But I know from listings that aren't on um, and talking to agents that there's people out there ready to buy, but they just don't want to get raped, really. <laughs> so they're out there. For sure, but I think Lakeshore has slowed down just a little too. But I think the values, the values are still there, just the right values. I put on handcuffs for Mike so I can answer this question. Um, <laughs> yes, Mike, uh, real estate is still good on Lakes. No, what's funny is that people with money are looking for things that they want, and they're starting to realize, like even if the economy goes crazy, the stock market goes up or down, most people are starting to realize that you're not going to live forever. And so even if it's not the perfect storm for you, um, it might be the only storm you see between now and when you're, you're uh, not healthy enough to enjoy it. So some people are buying Lakeshore saying, hey, I'm at that age. I have to. This is my time. This is, I have the money. You know, even if it's $100,000 extra, who cares? Because if you're dead, you're not going to enjoy that. hundred. Sorry, I was using my hand puppets again. Um, the, uh, you, you can't enjoy it. So I am seeing people that are able to buying houses and they're fighting over them because not a lot of them. But. I did um, the last, uh, I don't know, probably month up in Alex. I've been watching their, the Lake Ida and then the chain of lakes up there. And there are several properties that have listed at crazy prices, like a split entry on Lake Ida for $950,000 on high Lakeshore, high bank, you know, up 35 feet. And I look at that and I go, and if they're listening, God bless them. I, I, if you get it, good for you, because that means everybody else is worth a ton of money too. But on the other hand, realistically, you've been on the market now since like March and you're not selling at that price. And they finally did a price reduction. And it just, I hate to see that happen because now you're in that dangerous gray area of what do you do? Keep reducing until you get an offer? Or should have you listed it properly at $7.99 to begin with and it would have sold overnight and you would have had multiple offers and got the best terms and you would have moved on with life. But now you're going to slide, you die a slow agonizing death on the uh, you've overpriced it, you know, game. Oh, all right. My daughter's uh, currently being sued by a seller that she originally signed a purchase agreement to buy his house. Within 14 days of signing, she decided it was too much for her, so she signed termination papers. The seller, a lawyer, then sold his house four weeks later for $40,000 less than what my daughter had offered. The seller is now suing her for that $40,000 he lost due to her termination. Is her realtor, who's a friend, responsible at all? Has anyone heard of this? Uh, this will take all my daughter's money. Um, so he must have signed the cancellation. I mean, I wonder if he signed it without reservation. Or I mean, anyone can sue anyone for anything. I yep. mean, that that's that's number one. And you can say, well, it, it works. It's fine. It doesn't matter. They can sue you for anything. So it might not be good, but I mean, you did. <laughs> I think I think buyers have to remember that you know sellers start making plans after they have a done purchase agreement. Maybe they move and buy another house. Maybe they've got the mover set up, and you know. And if you hurt them, I mean, yeah, that could that could be a problem. 
But here, here's, what uh, I'd say, um, here's what I'd say, though. I, I, I agree with both sides of that argument because there there is a, a case of where that person tied up the property. And if they can prove that they did it for ill reasons, they would be possibly responsible between what the property was worth and what they sold it for in, in, in the eyes of somebody saying, hey, you screwed up my window of opportunity and I'm coming after you. Now, on the other hand, why did she cancel is the real question. If she just got cold feet and didn't perform, that's why we have earnest money, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why it's very important for you to collect it. Because if in the event that they just got cold feet and didn't show up at closing, that is to remedy your damages. So if you only accept the $1,000, you know, earnest money, that's your problem. I mean, but not necessarily. You don't, the, that buyer doesn't have to give up the earnest money at all. I mean, they right. can say, hey, I'm not going to sign cancellation papers. And too bad. This this is what it is. And you can't sell your house. But I'm telling you that what? I'm not buying it. And I'm, I won't show up to close and I won't do it. Well, now as a seller, what do you do? Now you're kind of like, all right, if I, I either got to sue them for that earnest money to be able to do it and or sign a cancellation and just get it sold and, and get out of this situation. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. That bit, be you, you can force a cancellation um, and in, as a or seller. Ours. What's that? Through the courts. Yeah. you, you, you have, as an, And as an attorney, I don't know. I wouldn't have done this. He should have literally as they canceled. Um, canceled, gave them their money back, went back up for sale and sold it. But I, I think this is just an example of where somebody has free legal advice because they're in the business and they're just suing them to sue them. So be there careful you if you do business with an attorney, uh, lesson learned. And I'll tell you one, another thing is that most of the things that happen, I mean, I've been involved in four arbitration cases in 32 years, four, that's it. I probably had- the last six weeks, yeah. I probably had 300 times of- Hey, this is happening. This is gonna, you know, we're coming after you. So people try that, and sometimes it just it it just fades out. Um, we just had one sent to us that they said something with us knowing something about the association, and they had all the association documents. That's why you yeah. review them, you know, and right. and they come back and say that hey, you you must have known about this, or we really wanted this, and it's not there. Well, that's the association. It's not us, and. Uh, you know, but where they sent a letter that you're going to pay us this scared the heck out of the seller, you know, but it's like now nothing since. So it's, it's just kind well, of. Well, I always tell people, be careful. You know, like when you're, what you're talking about there, Chris, I mean, when you buy or beware, when you go into a buy and, you know, say, oh, I'll sue them or whatever. Do you know how much it costs to put a trial together to go after somebody to actually sue them? You, you yeah. might cost you thirty, forty thousand $40,000 to prepare for a, a, a trial. I mean, yeah. in just legal fees. So it's like people that say that and they think that in the back of their head, it's very unrealistic. The odds of you actually suing anybody are very slim unless you actually are an attorney where you give yourself free legal advice. So I would say when you go into a deal, pretend that you can't do anything about the deal after the deal's over and and, and use caution when you're buying. Because if you cannot actually see that, hey, there's going to be a remedy to this, a lawsuit is not going to be a good remedy. Arbitration is not going to be a good remedy. It's all going to be ugly and it's all going to be expensive. And so Go in there, do your due diligence on the front end, and buy that house cautiously. Um, fraud's fraud. That's different. But if you know where they lied to you, but on the other hand, if if you you know do all your due diligence on that, read all your documents, have attorneys review everything for you, um, you ninety nine percent of the time are going to be fine. I agree. All right, Nikki, we we're done. I think we got to be done. Uh, no, we're not. Mike Ludwig oh, wanted to say, great job, Andy. Hope you didn't dislocate your shoulder answering any of my, oh, where is that? Oh, here it is. 
<laughs> well, wait, wait, where is here? There's Mike. <laughs> My brother does that to me. He he does the old. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> That's playground stuff. You do the old. You act like you're whining at it. <laughs> it's good to see Ludwig's Ludwig's back. We love Ludwig. The smart ass. The smart ass Ludwig. This is awesome. He usually asks us how our donuts are in the morning, and you know he's a grandpa now. Oh wow! Yeah. Actually, that picture. Did you see that? Pull up his question again, Dick. Look at that. Oh, look at That's that. His daughter. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cute little thing. Yeah. That was the daughter that went on the two-year honeymoon thing, or they they traveled for two years. Nick, you got you got to talk. They only had one kid. Well, they did have a kid after they got back, but they basically traveled the whole world. Yeah. A two-year honeymoon would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, another great episode. Make sure you uh, give us a like, write us a review on iTunes or Spotify. We're posting three digestible clips on YouTube and Facebook each week. Send us in your questions and have a great uh, rest of your week. Ciao.